the marinade. There's no O in marinade. Let's try it one more time. Ready? One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> the marinade. Marrow. Marrow. Marinade. Bone marinade. The marinade. The marinade. With Jason Earl. Welcome to The Marinade with Jason Earl, a free-flowing conversation about the creative process with creative people. This is episode 63, and our guest is Marcelle Bradanini. Marcelle is a singer and songwriter best known for her work under the moniker Ponyboy. She has a new record, Only a Woman, which will be released on July 3rd, 2020. As we discussed during this conversation, the record is a sonic shift from her previous work, and Marshall has a lot to say on it. You can find all things Marshall Bradanini at marshallbradanini.com. Everyone, this was an absolute blast, and it is my great pleasure to present my conversation with Marshall Bradanini. You probably know what you're doing. Oh my gosh. Oh no, no. It's like, let's take this opportunity to also learn some uh, audio recording. <laughs> well, it's, I know it's, um, hi, here's me. Um, hi. <laughs> you don't have to show you, but I just wanted to, so you can put it in. Oh no, that's nice. Yeah, this, you know, this, thank you so much for doing this. First of all, I'm super excited to talk with you. Oh, great. Okay. I just wanted to make sure it doesn't seem if I'm not the host, it's not letting me record this. So are you okay on the recording? Yeah, I've, I'm recording various ways. So um, <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm even recording. Yeah, I, we're going to see. I, I think that's been one okay. of the really interesting things about uh, uh, there's, I mean, everything's been different in our world since March, I swear. But it, there's something really interesting about trying to figure out how to do the podcast this way. Um, but sure. this, this is the first Zoom that I've done. So I'm, I'm pretty excited to just try it out and see wow. how it goes. So <laughs> a Virgin Zoom podcast. <laughs> Virgin Zoom podcast. Yeah, I think that's going to be <laughs> – that's an interesting concept for a podcast just in general. <laughs> yeah, you might get some uh... – some unwanted visitors. <laughs> yeah, there's all kinds of ways we could go with that one. And, uh, a lot probably, of clickbait in the title. Right, right, probably none of them are what I had intended. <laughs> oh, yes, yes, yeah, yeah. Oh, I've had some, some of those go down like, oh, that's not, that's not the, the title I would have gone with, but okay. You yeah. 
Well, it's funny. Um, I uh, it I googled. Uh, I I know lots of people have been through this before. Uh, hopefully, other people have been through this before, so I'm not alone. <laughs> but I I googled Pussy Riot the other day because they were in the news, and um, I yeah. was trying to figure out why they were in the news, and I didn't put band. And oh yeah, ooh, it is <laughs> not the same thing as the band. <laughs> It's a treacherous place, you know, one, one omitted word and wow. Yeah, it's wild. Your, your, your search history is forever <laughs> a source of blackmail. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Oh, man. Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Uh, Only a Woman comes out in just a, what, a week and it's beautiful. Great, just great oh, work. Oh, thank you. Um, so and I'm like a week, a year, what's, I don't know. I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, six months from now on July 3rd. Yeah. Right. <laughs> it's all like a fever dream anyway yeah it's like it, there's something so sort of you know unreal about um obviously what we're all experiencing there's like that truman show aspect to it you're like am mm. i is this really is this really happening but anyway thank you yeah for sure well, you're welcome and um that's what i've been starting <laughs> off with so that's a perfect way to to go is is just how how you doing just overall how are you um, you know, I'm, I'm doing, I'm hanging in, you know, I just think everyone, you just got to take it day by day, sometimes minute by minute. I have a baby and a toddler, so it's like a whole new level of survival that I'm experiencing. Right. Missing the, the institution of school. <laughs> yeah. Um, this is a, this is a usually a very helpful thing to to function i'm in my car right now actually recording it's like the one safe space i have away from my <laughs> lovely but like you know there there are no boundaries with a four-year-old so right. i've learned even like a bathroom with a, a locked door is like you know pounding pounding so I've like i found my my car is my sort of my sanctuary um so, so yeah i mean i'm i'm doing good i think as a musician i'm used to totally and you know, an introvert, I, I relish time alone in a way. Um, it's obviously a bit different, and but it's the flip side of that is like you spend all this time alone in your own head making a record, and then you have that sort of magical experience where you take everything in your brain and you play live. And, you know, get to see other people um, respond to that work. So that sort of side is a, is is definitely I'm definitely missing that right now. Yeah. So what? <laughs> Okay, so how has that impacted your process just more generally? Um, I mean, like, are, are you, as an introvert, are you uh, someone who needs to be alone to, to write? Or are you someone who can kind of pick it up wherever? What is, like, how has that been different for you, especially having, you know, being at home and with and with your kids, nowhere really to go except your car? Are, are you running out to the car to, like, yeah. write songs? <laughs> Yeah, I think, you know, I'm more of the like Leonard Cohen school of if a song takes 11 years to write, then that's totally fine. And oh, cool. I think, you know, I, I you can beat yourself up sometimes. And it's that balance of like pressure versus just giving yourself some time to like exist and experience things to then reflect upon. Mm. You know, I don't think you can live in that space of like constantly uh you know, like, I'm going to write <laughs> seven songs today. Um, or you can. I mean, it was interesting. I, I lived in Nashville for a while, which is very much one of those. You could do three co-writes in a day. And, like, for me, I just realized, like, 
that is possible, but the quality is not all, you know, it's not all Julie and I will always love you. <laughs> right. <laughs> which, which I think, you know, Dolly Parton wrote on like a 15 minute smoke break. Right. Um, or like Willie Nelson wrote, you know, I forget which like crazy and blue eyes crying in the rain, like these just magical classic hits, like in like a period of, you know, three days or 30 minutes. So yeah. I think sometimes like for me, I, I process, I keep everything in my brain until it sort of like bursts out. And then I tend to like, like I wrote this record in a week and I recorded it in three days. And, but I had been sort of like, it'd been sitting in my brain and like finding its place and sort of um, working itself out in my subconscious uh, for like, you know, a good year or so. So I, I, that's sort of my process. Can you say more about that specifically with the new record um, where it's it's sitting there germinating? Are, are you are there bits of it written down anywhere or bits of it that you'd played and uh, maybe started to form the melodies or like what does that what did that look like for it to come? Especially since you just said that a lot of times it takes it takes a long, a long time and you'll let things kind of ruminate. It, how did it come out of you so quickly then? Like, why was it, di- was, was that different from how it has been and why was it different? Yeah, I think, you know, I always keep now, I mean, I always just keep notebooks, but now carrying a lot of, you know, kid shit, it's mostly <laughs> on my, I, you know, my memos and it's that thing anytime I hear, anytime you hear that turn of phrase or you hear a title or I always am sort of listening for those sort of magical words that just sort of fall into your lap and Uh, you're like ah that's really huh what will I do with that or you just have this feeling where you're like okay I have this rhythm or melody in my head and it sort of just keeps going until it finds words and it's sort of you know it's like a snowball for me and uh I think because I I had had a baby and I was listening to so much like kids music and nursery songs Mm. I found myself in this really like sing song like really simple chord progressions but then it was sort of coupled with this like intense visceral anger and sadness at you know our state of the world and also like bringing a child into that and like I was just trying to process these really sort of complex deeply uh intense emotions um and I, you know, I've always been such a big fan of John Prine or Dylan, where it's just a lot of words, but sort of the words are so heavy and dominant and sort of interesting that you can't have a really complex musical canvas for those. I think it's distracting in a way. So mm-hmm. um, I just knew because I had so much, it was like very much a lyric driven record that I wanted mm-hmm. to have like the least amount of production, the least amount of you know, I was always in bands with like a big solo guitar player mm-hmm. distortion. You know, I've always loved that sort of like rock and roll recklessness. And um, it's always been so scary for me as a, as a songwriter, just, or even like a woman. I was like, oh, I don't want to be like a girl singing with my acoustic guitar, singing these like navel gazing songs about, you know, these like trivial things of sentimentality. And a lot of that was just me getting over my own, you know, insecurities. But I've, it, you know, it's a really hard sonic decision to just go. I'm like, oh, an acoustic guitar without a ton of, you know, like analog delay is like, is this scary? It's like being naked. So, um, but I knew that that's the sort of record that the 
lyrics really sort of called for. Um, and I knew, like, I had my friend Adam Landry, who's a you know, great producer out of Nashville. He's done a lot of, like, Diamond Rugs and Middle Brother, T. Hardy Morris. Mm-hmm. Um, I love that all stuff. All that stuff. Oh, I love that yeah. stuff. Yeah. And uh, my friend Amy Wood, who's a drummer, and she plays with Fiona Apple. She produced that new record. And, oh, really? You know, she's like a, yeah. So God, she's like a beast of a drummer. Like, yeah. literally, she can, like, destroy any room. And then she can also, like, use brushes and play, like, the most vulnerable you know, understated bit. I think because it's like when people are that good, they don't have their ego to show off. And same thing with Adam. He's like the biggest Slayer guitar player I've ever met. And then he can just play something where it's so sparse and there's like one little riff of a hook, you know, and mm. you're, you're just like devastated by it. And I'm like, oh my God, I'm not worthy. I'm sorry. You have to play on this, you know, mediocre crap when you're such heroes so you know they definitely humble me and i feel so fortunate to have those collaborators once i went into like the sonic space and i didn't want any more people you know it's like how can we make this with the least amount of people and um i think also deadlines are good for me like at the time i was back in california because that's where my family I had a kid and I wanted some free childcare with my family. Mm. And so I just knew also, when you have kids, it's so hard. Cause like, you know, these aren't negotiable things of like feeding a baby. So it's so hard. I think, especially as a woman to find time to prioritize, you know, your art and um, working on it. So I sort of was like, I'm Adam, I'm flying you to LA. I've, we're going to record Amy's on board. And I hadn't even written the record at that point. So, you know, it was just one of those things where I knew if I didn't sort of like put a fire under my ass of having, you know, somebody literally flying in to make this record, I would sort of keep finding excuses um, to sort of, you know, push it and push it. But this was, it was great because I knew I had everything there and I just needed that. Okay, this is the date we're going to start recording. So you better have all those ideas for this record, you know, fleshed out into into something. I, I didn't even do any demos though. I, we had no time. I was like, you know, you just come here in person. And for me too, I really like, you know, all the cracks and nuances and the mistakes to land on a record. So I'm very much into like can we, and laziness maybe that I'm just like, just, <laughs> I want to get a first take. I want to get it fresh, you know, I don't want to overthink it or bring my analytical brain into the process. Like, uh, how can we just sort of operate from our guts and our, you know, our non-analytical side, which I think to me, like the more takes I record vocally, like it just is like a, a cliff that I fall off of. Oh, interesting. Like you get in your head about it. Yeah, I'm definitely like, <laughs> which always feels weird where I'm like, wow, the least amount of time I put into this record is on the vocals. But uh, <laughs> it's more just because I genuinely always like my like first, second or third take always. Well, and it's com- usually always one take. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you're coming from your, you're kind of coming from the place of, of the, of the, of greatest honesty, I think when on that first take, right? Like you're, it's not, you're not overthinking it. You're just, you're saying what you need to say and it's just coming out of you. And there's something kind of, yeah. right. There's something honest about that. Yeah. There's something so human about that. And for me, that's sort of like my biggest issue with contemporary music is like the human factor is, is totally void. It's missing. And I get it. And like, there's a place for dance music and electronic music. And I love all that stuff, but 
like when I want that, you know, sort of spiritual guidance and connection through music, I want that through like a person I think is alive and not like, you know, a 50,000 Pro Tools plugins. <laughs> right. Right. And, you know, I think that's what draws me to music uh, that I kind of, I, I've been talking about this recently, how I go back to my blankie and my blankie is like folk Americana yeah. Um, that kind of stuff because, because of what you just described, I think is the big reason why I continue to go back to it because there is just such a brutal honesty. So, so often and some of the records I listen to, uh, you know, some of my favorite records recently are just like barely produced. I mean, I think that's what yeah. is so brilliant about what Dave Cobb's been doing is how he just kind of like gets out of their way basically from how I understand his process and goes, I got these yeah. amazing musicians. Let's just let them do their thing. And I'm yeah, gonna like how does the production sort of service the, the song and the singer versus like, how am I like a producer that has this sound that I can then sort of fit this, you know, artist into, which is, you know, unfortunately a lot of experiences I've had. Mm. Well, with this one, so I'm so glad you mentioned just the sonic difference between this and and what you did um, previously as Pony Boy. That that difference was it was the deadline helpful in you going in that direction, or were you pretty confident? Like, all right, I'm going in this direction. I'm going to change sonically. Uh, this is what the lyrics need and deserve. Um, was it difficult to make that decision, or? Um, and did you create that deadline for yourself for that reason? Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, it's like I still love all of my Ponyboy records, and that's definitely still, like, music that I'll want to make in a way. But I just knew, like, sort of getting older and being a grown-up in a strange way and going through the experience of, like, having a kid and then hmm. sort of this crazy transformation that happens when then you're, like, you know, defined as a mom and... Uh, and then that's sort of like your own, your only identity to so many people and in so much of like societal contexts. And I sort of had this like reassessment. And also it's very similar to quarantine where you're like stuck in your house, yeah. like going outside is so difficult and arduous. You're like, I'm never going anywhere again. Um, <laughs> like maybe when my kid's 18, like maybe you have like a screaming, like covered in vomit in a public space with a bunch of people looking at you, you're just like, Oh my God, that was horrible. So I kind of just had this reassessment of my own identity in a way that felt very personal. And like, I, I just had to learn how to recontextualize myself where like, am I still relevant as an artist mm. or am I just like a mom or because I'm not 17 anymore? Do, is, am I past like my societal sell by date, you know? And yeah. I really, uh, you know, I just wanted to assess like what it meant to be a woman, obviously, like in and living in sort of like post 2016 election of things sort of like the smartest woman in the room, whether you like Hillary Clinton or not, you know, lose to sort of the loudest, <laughs> less intelligent man. And you I can say dumbest. so many women. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The dumbest human who might ever have lived. Um, <laughs> not to, 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 to speak straight with much evidence scientifically right. back uh, but uh you know i just think that's a feeling that every woman has experienced you know and yeah. that feeling of like man i put in the work and i still didn't you know get the 
get the gig and okay, I guess I'll just keep on keeping on. Or I think as a lot of us as female musicians, we've had um, that experience of like, oh, we've got a lot of female fronted bands on this gig. Or like, I remember I listened to your um, the podcast with Hannah Harbour. Like, oh, yeah. Like, cool. Yeah. And there was something that like, like cut me to the bone when she talked about going up to get her credentials mm. to a festival she was playing she was in like, the band she was fronting she was second on the bill and yeah <laughs> yeah and how the person be like oh who are you here with in yeah. a way that you're like okay like i know what you mean by that but it, it those are sort of like the microaggressions but as a woman you just like it's like just getting kicked in the teeth again and again and you just keep getting up and you just keep going but like it does have a cumulative toll like, I can't tell you the amount of times I've been into, like, a guitar center when I've, God forbid, not been able to get something mm. from, like, my local store. And, you know, is this for your boyfriend? Are you a manager? And, you know, it's just like, right. oh, how dare I attempt to be, like, a female musician still in 2020. And I think the difference from when I was younger, like, now there's tons of rock camps where they realize sometimes you just uh, need a rock camp for girls where they feel safe and have yeah. an opportunity to maybe get with that learning curve that they haven't had an opportunity because their super cool dad didn't give them a guitar at age seven. And anyways, this is a super, super long answer. To I love it. Though. And thank you so much. for. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. I love the answer. And, and I appreciate you so much for listening to the show, by the way, that's awesome. Um, that means a oh, lot yeah. to me. You picked a go and Hannah's, um, I didn't know if you are familiar with her music, but she's an incredible songwriter and just a, just in a, a bright light. Like she is just the kind of person you want to be around. I, I just constantly want to like pick her brain and, uh, and learn from her. She's just amazing. So thank you for listening. I, I also, um, so much, there's so much to talk about the, and I don't want to take too much of your time, but, I, but I want to dive into some things. Fine. That, this is like, I'm so, this is like me having like a, a like a drink at a bar like, okay. away from my children. I'm like, please don't bother me. Uh, this is a six hour podcast and <laughs> All right, uh, I'm well, talking until my phone dies. <laughs> let's roll. Let's roll then. Cause, uh, no pressure. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, well, there's so much to get into. Um, because you mentioned it being a lyric driven record and I've been devouring it and, uh, I hear something new each time. And a lot of times, one of the things that it has forced me to do is it's kind of turned a mirror back on me. Um, especially like the character in Oscar Wilde. Um, I'm listening to it and it's like, it's a wonderful song and the story is told really beautifully. And then there's the, and I'm, I'm sitting there like, like, damn, in my 20s, was I the guy who was like, woe is me and my bachelor's degree? Yeah. yeah, I was that motherfucker, wasn't I? Yeah. And again, I've been there too. And I always think it's like so important to like check your privilege every once in a while to be yeah. like, I'm sorry, what are my problems? And, yeah. you know, I think that's sort of, a nice thing that's happening in the world right now we've all had a time to sort of reflect or even like as white people like do some mm. listening for a change yeah. and sort of recontextualize maybe even experiences where we were totally had the best intentions of going in and you're like oh wow maybe that wasn't maybe this could be construed like this or you know i think it's so important to realize so much so many things we've been conditioned or even subconscious to say or when we think about what our problems are in context to like uh, capital P problems you know I just think mm -hmm. it helps to sort of reckon with that and I also just think there's been a lot of women who are sort of like dismissed by this uh, sort of man even you know 
unintentionally because I, I wrote the song initially as a response to the Father John Misty song, The Night Josh Tillman Came to My House, um, uh -huh. which again, I'm actually a huge fan and I think there's so much self-awareness in that, but yeah. um, I just thought about like, what's the flip side of that conversation of this woman he like totally demolishes in a way that, you know, is is brilliant and witty and hilarious and devastating. but. I was kind of like, is there a flip side of that coin? Because I think I've been that girl before where a guy went on about like Jim Morrison for, I don't know, uh, 15 minutes and I was just sort of totally checked out and I was never sort of invited into the conversation. <laughs> well, the other thing about having that conversation in the way that you do in the song is, like I said, it certainly did turn a mirror on me and, um, and in, a, in a really positive way because I think part of the challenge of... of recognizing your privilege and then not letting it be something that um that holds other people back or that in some way infringes on other people is recognizing it recognizing where you fucked up and then forgiving yourself but not doing it again and that i just described that in a real simple way but that's really hard work it's really hard and it's really scary and but yeah and it, and i think that's the whole thing is that we have to be willing to have a conversation that's uncomfortable. We maybe don't know the right thing to say so we can then figure out the right thing to say and, mm -hmm. you know, understand, you know, which conversations are best had with like your peers or with other people. And I don't know. Um, so yeah, I just think that's sort of like a larger dialogue that's happening right now, which I think is always super informative and helpful to keep learning and keeping like, wow, I didn't even realize, um, you know, I had this sort of subconscious point of view about something, you know, like I was mm -hmm. reading my son some like mindless Lego book the other night about some scientists in a jungle. And it was like the female scientist. <laughs> oh, wow. I was like, she can't just be a scientist. Oh, wow. Um, and, you know, so I just think there's subtle things like yeah. that. And, um, that it's interesting just to be aware of, you know, and I just said, I said, you know, anybody can be a scientist, but it's also that thing where you don't want to like deny your gender in a way, but it's also like not the leading, uh, you know, there's, there's more to it than that. To me, it should just be one of many elements, but it still annoys me when I see things like the female scientist in a Lego book. Well, and, and this isn't exactly going to, uh, encourage us, but, um, one of the things that jumped out at me, I've been listening to your record, right? Which um, addresses all of this stuff in various ways. And, uh, and then I, <laughs> and it's not funny, but I don't know how else to deal with it. I, sure. I, I was doing research. Um, and so I Googled your name. The first uh -huh. thing that came up when I Googled your name on my phone was your relationship <laughs> status. And, oh, God. Yeah. And this, the third thing that came up, the third thing. You've done all these amazing things yeah. and made all these great records. Was your husband's Wikipedia page? Oh, always. Yes, I know. I know so many of my interviews just evolve into the fact that I'm married. It's like a very funny, uh, charming British uh, comedy writer. And yeah, and I'm like, can I not ever sort of transcend my bad dating decisions of my 20s? The truth is no. <laughs> so, oh yeah. I mean, and that's why initially I, I went with the name Pony Boy because I had played in like a lot of bands. But I played in some bands where I was like, okay, 
my only goal in this band is to like, you know, plasmatic style, like just, just like wild abandoned punk rock, you know, just reckless, crazy. Like I wasn't necessarily thinking of like sonic purity or how am I going to look back at this music when I'm, you know, 85. And so I wanted to sort of start afresh because I was like, I have this whole new project that isn't connected into these other bands I've been in. Hmm. Um, and then with my name, it, it brought up all this other totally weird stuff. So <laughs> it's taken me this long to sort of be like, I need to like reclaim my own actual name on the uh, internet. Space. Okay, that uh, was going to be a question I was going to ask you is, is why you made that decision. Yeah. And, and was there like a, a moment that you realized you wanted to do that? Well, I have one of those names, Marshall Bradanini. That is just, you know, one of those, like I could have like a book of how people say my name wrong every time I go to get a coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and like it always just felt like if I heard my name, I felt like I sounded like some like 90s Euro pop. <laughs> like it should just be like a single name. And, you know, I was a musician when I was younger and then like fell into one of those, again, like terrible major label um, deals where they're like, I guess you're, bl- you can be the blonde one in this group. And, you know, we've already done a merchandising deal where we've sold a, a half a million records. And like, I would come in with songs and they're like, Oh, these are a little esoteric. You're wearing purple nail polish. Why don't you write a song about that? And I just was like, you know, and just again, the also like the predatory nature of some of these older men, um, you know, that were like, well, I think I'm in love with you. So we might have to it's really hard for me to work with you. And I would be like, I'm 17. Oh, wow. And I, I sort of had this moment literally when I was 17, 18. And I was like, man, if this is the business of music, like I am out. Like it sort of broke me in a way. And I was like, fuck this. I'm out. I just want to go to some place where like I can be a normal person and nobody's doing me any favors based off the way they look or because they're, you know, romantically interested in a minor. And I just Mm. was really sort of turned off about my sort of experience in the major label world. And I didn't know or have any access to the independent world. And because I think I looked a certain way, like I wasn't readily accepted by that world either. Cause they're like, we're really confused cause you're really smiley and blonde. And I don't know mm. why you are at this show or like say you like the music you like. So I sort of felt like I didn't fit in anywhere. And luckily I went to college. I studied political science and philosophy. I didn't do anything creative. Me too. Um, just, yeah. Oh, nice. And yeah, then yeah. my sort of last semester it was like right when you know you could access like an inbox or make like your own record in your bedroom that sounded amazing and i took a pro tools recording class and finally i met like the other freaks like me i was like oh the music kids like you're here my people and you know i found like my two best friends who are like still to this day the craziest most eccentric humans i've ever come across in my life and they just sort of took me in and we just played music and like had no care or concern it was just like oh my god let me tell you about this record or there's this donny hathaway record or the stooges record or here's the bad brains catalog Uh and they were just such like music enthusiasts in a way where you're like oh i don't know this record they're like oh you're an idiot how do you not know you know (laughs) who engineered this um totally like german release of a northern soul record and that it was like <laughs> and we're like okay let's just do something like with that i'm gonna like do this radical poetry over these like bad beats and it'll be crazy and like fuck the you know record industry and then we like instantly got a record deal in england <laughs> 
and that took us overseas. And then it was one of those things we got signed again by this like massive hip hop guy. We were like his pet rock, like rock band project, which was never a good idea. Yeah. And it was like three years later and then our record never came out and uh. we were so like broken as people again. It was like, man, we were like best friends when you have to depend on your best friend for your like, you know, uh, the check you need to make your rent. It's really hard to then not have those friendships strained. And, you know, we ended up breaking up just to sort of survive. And uh, it took me a while to sort of, again, pick myself up again and be like, man, what do I even want to record? Or I don't even know musically who I am without these other two people. But I've always liked this weird, like, you know, I've always loved classic country and 50s and doo-wop and like, you know, dissonant sounds that maybe I could explore. And that was the sort of start of the Pony Boy record. Cause that was always the stuff I liked, which never fit in the context of like the the bands I played in. And um, and then I did that, which was great and fun. And yeah, and then I just sort of had, was dealing with this feminist reckoning that became my solo project, but it took me so long to put my own actual name on it. But uh -huh. you know, it's nice because I'm older and I have, you know, no fucks left to give. So it's just, it's nice to sort of exist in this space because I don't think I could have made this record at any other time. I think that's so wonderful. Can, can we talk a little bit about how you got to that place? Like you're in this, you're, 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 you're saying fuck the music industry at a young age too. Like that's pretty impressive yeah. that you had the self-awareness and the fortitude to be like, Oh no, I'm not going to be treated like this at 17. Right. I mean, I think it could have just as easily for a lot of people been, well, if this is how I got to do it. And so many people fall in that, um, unfortunately in that trap where they're like, well, this is, if I wanted, this is my dream. And if I want my dream, I got to go down yeah. this road. And totally. Like, I, yeah. I was like, if, if Mariah Carey, you know, what, regardless of her music is like the most technically capable vocalist, you know, had to marry Tommy Mottola. I'm like, what chance do I have? Right. So how did, how did you make that decision? How, like at that time, were you just especially mature? Did you have like mentors helping you out? Yeah, I think because I'm lucky enough to come from like a really stable, normal family. And this uh. is the sort of thing that I think is destroying like the world right now is like if you're just like a middle class person, <laughs> which is like what I'm seeing is music is getting rid of. And so many of my friends have all left the music industry because you get to a point where you either have to be so independently wealthy that you can exist you know, just on these huge losses after tours and recording and paying your band and, you know, all those things, or, you know, you exist in such like dire straits. It's hard to like ever, you know, have a family or feel like you can be a grown up if you have other options. You know, I just think, um, I just see that more and more with music. We're just getting a disparity of the perspectives of people who will be able to be musicians if you can't financially survive, even in like a humble you know, middle-class existence. Um, but I think, yeah, because I had like a really solid family structure and I got to go to college, I was kind of like, I think I have another alternative. And I, if these are the people I have to work with, like I just, music is too important to me. I'd rather have it be a hobby than, mm. you know, have to have to do this or make music. Like I would literally rather do anything else than make music that I don't like, you know? Yeah. So I'm like, being a musician is like 99% like pain and failure and frustration and mm -hmm. just shit. It's like lugging stuff to 
you know, venues, just bad things happening. And then you have that one moment where you're like, I love this song. You have that one great gig. You're like, this is the best. And then you like go back to all the 99% of like the difficult part of it. So I'm like, if that 1% of like the good bit isn't good, like what is the point, you know? And that's why, like I've had other opportunities to do certain like pop writing and that, and like there's stuff I'll do. And I've done a lot of mentoring to like younger girls that are brought into like major label systems. And I try to help them with songwriting and make them at least their perspective where they're the ones doing the heartbreaking. (laughs) But uh, yeah. So again, incredibly long answer. (laughs) I love that answer though. Thank you for these long answers there. You're giving me a lot and I really appreciate it. Is it, uh, this is kind of a a personal question, but it's something that that I think about myself and it's different for me as a man, but it's still something I think about regardless is, um, and if you don't feel comfortable talking about it, obviously just tell me. But when you, you just mentioned like you brought kids into the world at this crazy time, right? How, like, what did that decision look like? Um, Because I think that's something a lot of folks are wrestling with. I know it's something that my partner and I are are, wrestling with. Sure. Um, Because if you think about any sort of logical reason, you'd be like, (laughs) no, 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 no. Terrible idea. Like, why would I give this world? Yeah, here's like, you know, a world of uh, uh, oligarchy and environmental devastation. Good luck. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, So I do think, and it took me, it took me a long time before I was like emotionally ready. It's like something that flips. It's like I never wanted to be Mm. married or have anything to deal with the institution of marriage. And now I'm at my now. Google me, you'll find out who my husband is. <laughs> uh, partner. And he was just such like an oddball and like, you know, like famously funny that I was like, oh my God, oh, that would be such a fun party, you know? And it's like, you find like one day you like look at a baby in a way and you're like, whoa, that's weird. Like I, I actively looked at children with disdain before this. And then you just start noticing them. And, you know, I don't know if it happens more like biologically to women at a certain point. But huh. I think as an artist, regardless if you're a man or a woman, like the children take up so much time and they just like, you know, dominate your psyche that it is like a radical transformation to learn how to like exist and find a place for yourself, which I think is like art only comes from when you spend time alone with your thoughts. Mm -hmm. Um, But then I think about, and for me, especially as a woman, like all my musical heroes, when I thought about it, like they did not choose to have kids, whether it was Lucinda Williams or Dolly Parton, you know, it was just not, I was like, okay, well, none of my favorite writers have done that. So obviously that is, if I do that, then my life will be over. But then I thought about the like Patty Smiths of the world who talk about, you know, the importance of having a job and work and had kids. And, you know, I, I had to force myself to, I was kind of finding the, I was sort of finding the examples to scare myself off versus realizing that's not how the world exists. And again, back to your podcast with Hannah, like when you hear other female musicians talking about the fact that they have kids, it makes you feel so much less alone because I think that's the thing. And I have friends that are filmmakers the same way. And my friend just went to, I had, you know, before this, you know, had a big film in a film festival and all the questions were like, who's watching your kid? Like, how is it to be a mom? You know, so much of your Mm. questions as a female artist are about, um, and I think often it just comes from a genuine curiosity because it is such a difficult balance, Mm. you know, to strike, like, how do you, how do you reconcile that and you know not feel like you're 
totally sacrificing one or the other. And um, when does it feel right? And I, I still go back and forth. Obviously, there's no return policy. <laughs> you have kids, but uh, it's you know, it is one of those things where I'm like, man, this is a time. I tell people, like, put it off as long as you can if you have anything else. Like, do your travel. Okay, that's good advice. Like, do all your other things. Um, and I think because I waited, I, I gave me more the opportunity to enjoy it. I knew that it was a conscious decision. And I'd sort of, like, cool. had the opportunity to, you know, be drunk around the world and to play a lot of venues right. and shows and have those sort of professional accomplishments that I felt good about that I was sort of not... I was able to not have this sort of resentfulness, which I think is only natural when you aren't afforded the same, you know, opportunities if you want to, you know, remotely be a part of a child's life. <laughs> That's great. And it's great that you didn't feel, I think sometimes with me, I, I've been really fortunate as well in a different way. And I've had, I've had a lot of amazing experiences and, um, but I still, I think there's like a, there's a, th- uh, like a thirst for the lack of a better word of like wanting to keep doing some of those things and, uh, sure. you know, and, and, and experience things that I haven't yet experienced. It's, it's like two things. It's, it's that, although I, f- I think, I think if I was on the other side of it, I'd just be like, Oh, well I got this kid now. It's amazing. Nobody's, I've never met anybody who has a kid that they wanted to have. And then went, oh, this was terrible. You know, everybody I know who has them, right? <laughs> like everybody yeah, who... I don't know. Maybe you're not talking to my friends. <laughs> no, it's, uh, it's just, hard. I find for me the hardest thing. I'm like a nighttime person and like kids do not, like my kids get up at like 5.30 in the morning. Yeah. So it's like, I can't physically exist if I go to bed at 2 a.m. and get up at 5.30. Right. So that's been the hardest thing. But it's also like, you know, this shall pass. And if if school ever begins again, you know, it's one of those things where like once your kid hits, like my son started preschool at age three and he loved it and he was going all day. And I'm like, man, when you get back that time, you realize those like brutal baby years, um, mm. are, they do go by fast and then you can kind of regain your semblance of your own sort of life and identity. But it's one of those things for everything you lose, you gain in a different way. Mm. Um, I don't plan on traveling to India with my children any time soon, even though that's always been my dream, but you know, right. I know that like, okay, there'll be a time and, uh, and you get, you know, so much, so many different things in return. Like someone said, having a kid's like having a pet that learns to talk where they're sort of nonverbal for a year. And then they just start talking and you're like, what? You have thoughts and you can articulate them. And, you know, there is something so wonderful and cool about um, kids. And now he's getting into vinyl. He's like obsessed with this weird B-side of a Jets record like the Jets from 1986 oh wow yeah it's like the b-side to crush on you it's like very 80s synth out and he just like puts it on I got him like one of those little third man record players and he just puts it on or like playing the Beatles for somebody for the first time it's really sort of wonderful to you know takes away I'm a optimist with a, a very cynical heart you know and it's one of those things where there is a purity of watching somebody even as a lover of music, like rediscover, like discover something for the first time. Like you've never heard the Beatles. Oh my God. Like how is this going to go down? That's funny. You love them. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's like you gain what you lose in a way. Oh, that's great. That's a, that's beautiful. That's helpful too. Thank you. That was helpful to think through. I think the, the thing, this may open a whole nother thing, but the, 
the thing that I have the hardest time with is just the existential question of it because no one chooses to be born. And the idea that like I would be responsible in some way for bringing a person into the world is like the, the pressure of that is like, yeah, it's heavy. It's so heavy. (laughs) Like the, my anxiety brain immediately goes to like, dude, you're not good enough, you know? No, Um, no. But But then I I forget. It was like a psychologist that said, if you're just good enough, I think it's like 30% of the time, like that's actually good enough. (laughs) So you're like, oh, yeah, like, oh, I don't have to get an A on this exam. I can get a D and still, (laughs) apparently, according to psychologists, like not fundamentally damage them. Like that seems like I could, I can definitely turn in a solid 30%. Right, right. That's great. (laughs) I think you just got to, alter your statistical (laughs) view of it all but it's hard obviously on like a meta level for me just to be like oh my god I'm so sorry you know or like how do you navigate the modern world um and protect somebody but also you know make sure they're kind and empathetic and you know have a world left to inherit so um yeah you just you, you quickly realize even without a question you know you're you're sort of your needs are secondary to another thing instantly, but not in a way that, you know, it's just, it's just a primal sort of thing where you're like, okay, <laughs> right. you're obviously not going to be cooking dinner. So I guess I have to. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. That's how I feel with my, with my puppies. <laughs> yeah. It's totally like, it's like puppies, but like, yeah, puppies times 10. Yeah, like if you, yeah. I, I was like, if you can handle a puppy, I think it'd be fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, this is super fun. Thank you. Um, you mentioned introducing your kids to, to music. Uh, what, like right now, um, other than maybe kid songs and introducing them to the Beatles, what are you consuming yourself art-wise? It could be a book you're reading or, um, I don't know, music you've been listening to. Like what's got you fired up right now personally? I kind of go through waves of like sometimes I literally listen to no contemporary music like like Helen Wolf will be like the most contemporary artist I'll listen to and I'll just go back to like the Smithsonian or Folkaway records and just kind of get deep into just some old music that sort of takes me to the past in a way that I'm like okay mm-hmm. well we survived this so maybe we could survive the present right. um, and also, again, you know, because so much of like the music industry to me, it can be such a bummer that I try to sort of like disengage from that side oh, of the world. But that said, I'm like, man, Neil Young, Bob Dylan, still putting out great records. Oh my god, like, both those records. Guys. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And um, obviously, it's great to see, you know, like young upstarts like Stevie Bridgers. You know, I think is so aesthetic oh, and funny and. Yeah, and like again, has that great balance of to me like the songwriting genre has been sort of like co-opted by these sort of like precious, gross <laughs> humans for such a long time. Not in a I don't mean to be judgmental or anything, but to me, I don't know. Like I was just like the genre can do so much more than that than so like you, you know dishwasher detergents. Like I just found like the songwriter genre and a lot of like the dominant sort of like pop radio. Oh, okay. songwriter genre was sort of like dominated to me by such like sort of like pithy 
you know, to me, like just stuff that was, I just could, I could not connect emotionally to anything. Okay. And when I'm like, man, songwriting to me is like, you know, Bob Dylan, or it wasn't until I heard that T. Hardy Morris record. I'm like, oh my God, like this guy is like, who's this guy? Where did this come Dude, from? Do the and, obscure, that record? Yeah. Or audition tapes actually. Oh, okay. And um, there's you... a song called the OK Corral and uh -huh. I heard it and it had that like Elliot Smith connection to me where I just like instantly felt just something in my bones and I felt so connected. I was just like, wow, I haven't heard a record like this from yeah. anybody that is alive. And the Sonics were so cool. And I literally was like, I don't even know who made this record. I don't know where they recorded it and what part of the world, but like, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stalk them and seek them out. And yeah. I found, I found the email, um, you know, to one of the producers and I like sent them an email and I think it's different. Like in LA, you send a blind email, like it goes into the ether in Nashville. You send an email and it's like, cool. Yeah, let's do it. Yeah. So, um, those guys happen to be based in Nashville. And I was like, can we like make a EP or something? Like, I just, I don't know. Here's some demos. Oh. Like I just want to come out there and record. And I never met them, but I was just such a huge fan of this record that, um, I went out and sort of sought them out and, you know, and then just had such a wonderful experience that I made, you know, a couple more records there. That, That's uh, so cool. Um, yeah. So sometimes I tell people like, send that blind email. So yeah. many things in my life have just been like, if something's really connecting to you and even if that person never knows, like one of my early records I'd sent to Mark Marin as just a fan and he had like ran, like how many CDs and records does that guy get? You know? Right. And he had like, listen to it and he tweeted about it and this was like a couple like years ago and i just wow. remember thinking like wow like just for that one moment have somebody that inspires me or like helps me through a thing listen to my music even if they hate it I just i don't know to me it just that's that's the connection of life and uh where it's at but yeah so the phoebe bridgers i'm trying to think of some other recent stuff but no i just go back i'm like an old i'm like a old boomer in the body of a <laughs> millennial, I guess. <laughs> I think that's pretty common. I, I think a lot of songwriters, uh, I know a lot, a lot of that I talk to do that. Um, did you, yeah. uh, have you ever listened to the old dead Confederate stuff? Speaking of T. Hardy Morris. Oh yeah. yeah. Amazing. Love yeah. I think stuff. Jason Isbell's like that as well. I think if you're sort of like a music, you know, a treasure seeker, like I am, it's like, you'll find, okay, you know, like Nirvana covers, you know, in the pines or, oh, that was originally like a Sunhouse song or a lead belly. And you're like, where did this guy come from? So for me, I'm always like interested in like the origin of things or even mm. like Dylan. It's like, oh, he's just straight up ripping off this sea shanty. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so I don't know, like, it's, yeah, I'm just, I'm just sort of like a music enthusiast and I love just getting back to the, uh, to the core because i think so much of it is like the history of our our lives and our and who we are as you know culturally and as americans and the history of music and i don't know just so connected whether people realize it or not so mm. that's really well um, said usually yeah this has been so much fun i'm so grateful for your time and i don't want to take any more but i'm this was awesome i really appreciate it your oh. record is beautiful <laughs> I, I'm so Thank excited you. for folks to hear it. Um, July 3rd, Only a Woman, everybody go get it. Uh, this will probably come out before then, um, but if not, it'll come shortly. Come out shortly after. And um, I'm just really, really grateful for this. Thank you so much. 
Oh, so nice to talk to you. Hopefully, uh, see you one day on a <laughs> at a show if those ever happen again. I hope so. I'd love to do this. I'd love to do this in person. I've missed the hell out of. It's been great. I've been able to connect with people, you know, and and I've I've been able to record more. I think because I I I'm not. A lot of times I don't like doing phoners because it's just like, yeah. There's just something about sitting face to face with somebody you know that you're not mm-hmm. sometimes it's it's just it's just a different it's different um but yeah. i've had so much fun with this cuz because even though we may not be face to face we're all in this together i mean back to that mm-hmm. connection thing you just mentioned we're all in this together and so a lot of these conversations that i've had over the phone have ended up being much like they would have been face to face cuz we're all kind of like just trying to get through it together and needing that yeah. human connection, you know? So definitely. I know. I realized, you know, you're like, Oh my God, I'm so parched to have a conversation with someone that isn't, you know, seriously my two family members I see all day. So anyways, <laughs> I appreciate it. Stay safe. Thank you. you <laughs> and too. I'll hopefully see you one day soon. I hope so. All right. Take care. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye. That I'll adore his name What a fuss, what a shame The sharp skin suits collecting names A man man or a woman king Caligula is circling And it's hard to know what to do When it's fortunate sons and their list of to-dos The dairy Marshall Bradanini, y'all. Thank you so much, Marshall. What a fun, thoughtful conversation. Uh, our guests just make me a better person, making this show add so much to my life. And thank all of you for listening and for supporting the show. MarshallBradanini.com for all things Marshall. Check out MarinadePodcast.com for all things the marinade, including how you spell Marshall's name. Give her a follow on social media as well and give us a follow while you're over there. We love interacting with friends and fans on social media, especially on Twitter and Instagram where we're pretty active. Subscribe and rate us on your podcast app, please, and tell a friend about the show. These are all just free, simple tasks that make a huge difference for us. If you really like what we're doing, please consider joining our Patreon community. For just a few bucks a month, you can gain access to our Patreon-exclusive content. For example, we're going to do a virtual happy hour with our Patreon community coming up very soon. So stay tuned to social media for updates about that and other things we're doing over on Patreon. Uh, it's a really fun place. It's a, it's a wonderful community that uh, is an incredible support to the show. So if you can swing it, we appreciate it. If not, all those free things are huge ways to support the show as well. All right, y'all, it's time for what I'm getting down on, the segment of the show where I talk about the art that is inspiring me at the moment. I've been listening to so much music. Shout out to our incredible fans, especially over on Twitter, Jordan, uh, our, our friend Jordan uh, Chiku Slim. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right, Jordan, but at Chiku Slim on Twitter, C-H-I-K-O-O Slim on Twitter. Uh, he recommended Adia Victoria. Her record, Silences, is this gorgeous, dark, emotive, sweaty album, just so amazing. I mean, I immediately sent an invitation for her to be on the show as soon as I listened to it. It was my first time listening. It came out last year. 
And I highly suggest you give that a listen. Also, a friend of the show, Kyle Keller's record, I've mentioned before, but it's finally out. And uh, it's a long time coming. Kyle's a great songwriter and a good dude. The record's called All It Does Is Rain. He's also now available over on Twitter. He's new to Twitter, so give him some love at Kyle Keller Songs on Twitter. Um, and, and check out that record. It's absolutely outstanding. Chuck Prophet has a new record coming out that I've just been devouring. It's not out yet. It's coming out August 21st, um, but I've been lucky enough to get an advanced listen. And uh, I'll, I'll mention it again, but just keep that on your radar. Um, just Chuck Prophet's just done so much and is such a, such a cool songwriter and performer. Um, this record's called The Land That Time Forgot. You're going you're gonna to want to hear it. You're really going to dig it. Uh, one more record, Nicole Atkins, who is just outstanding, amazing songwriter and performer as well. Um, her record, Italian Ice, great songs, just out-of-this-world collaborations. It's got Britt Daniel from Spoon, Seth Avitt, Aaron Ray, John Paul White, uh, David Hood and Spooner Oldham, the the famous, famous for being uh, um, members of the Swampers and Muscle Shoals, just ridiculous personal personnel on that record uh along with just outstanding songs and incredible vocal performances um it's it's immediately up there among some of my favorite records of the year uh you know for whatever reason that's it for me like i'm i'm reading a little bit here and there but i'm kind of back in in the funk that i was in before quarantine i read a couple of books back to back and then I'm just kind of slogging through books or picking at books that I've that I had been reading, um, and I, I don't know what it is. I still don't have my head around it. Just that low level of stress again. I think had, kind of has me um, struggling because I, you know, Florida is just on fire right now. It's crazy. Um, it's crazy what's happening in my state. So uh, I'm anxious. You know, my partner Chris is going to work every day and. She's being careful, but she's got to she's got to pay the bills, and uh, she works in the service industry. So I'm home, you know, and I'm being safe. I mean, I'll go to the store or whatever, but I wear my mask and wash my hands. It's just scary. I mean, no matter what we do, I got friends who are feeling sick and getting tested. It's just it's just kind of an it's an anxious time, and I think that's making it more difficult to sit down and read. Um, I've been trying to watch stuff, but honestly, nothing has really grabbed me. I tried to revisit. The Wire. Uh, if you listen to this show regularly, you know that I just I'm one of the maybe the only person who does not like The Wire. So I thought, you know what, I give it one more shot. I hadn't picked it up in several years. It's like I'm gonna do it. And y'all, if now is your first time watching The Wire, it is the worst time to try to start to watch The Wire. I just I mean I can't get into the cop speak. You know I I mean and that's that's prior to what's to the defund the police movement and the current civil rights movement i've just never been real fond of cop related dramas it just doesn't get me you know it's just hard to find characters in that show that you can root for um everybody just seems like they're an asshole and i, I tried i watched the whole first season again Try to start watching the second season, and I couldn't get into it. Um, but that's all right because uh, I, I've been full of opportunities to write. That's one thing that that has been a little bit difficult, but I haven't given up on. So I've just been putting in the work every day and continuing to to slog through and and push through the challenging times. And I've come up with some stuff I'm pretty proud of. I've got a piece that I'm going to publish soon about what's going on with NASCAR and sports in general. 
uh, when it comes to race relations and how important those cultural touchstones are and those institutions are to our global conversation about race. Um, and so I, I've written something that isn't quite finished, but I, I like, and it took a while to get there. Um, heavy subject matter. It'll never be perfect. I'll continue to have questions about imposter syndrome, um, but that's just part of the of the process, right? And so if you can do it, y'all, go on out and do it. If you've got the emotional capital, go out and create something. If you don't, please don't beat yourself up. Until next time, cheers, y'all.